Welcome to Winning with the Burns, a podcast for highly ambitious people who have a burning desire to learn what it takes to win at a high level. Hey guys, welcome today on another episode of Winning with the Burns. I'm man, I'm excited for you guys to get to meet a great friend of mine. He's the owner operator here at the Chick-fil-A on Commerce Avenue. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, hey man, appreciate you taking the time to come uh, join it's, us. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, hey, my yeah. pleasure. That's right. I like <laughs> of course. it. Of course. <laughs> well, let's get into a little bit about, about your background. Okay. You know, you grew up not too far from LaGrange. Correct. Uh, where was that at? In uh, the Riverdale, Fayetteville area. So, uh, grew up originally in Riverdale, um, but then moved to Fayetteville for high school and graduated from Fayette County High. Okay. Graduated from there. And so, Coming out of high school, you decided mm-hmm. I'm going to go somewhere local for college. Yep. So I went to Atlanta Christian College, which is now Point University. So they kind of, I like to say they followed me here to this area, <laughs> right? That's good. Um, they moved They moved here a year after I got here, announced the move two days after I got to LaGrange. So that's why I say that. But yeah, so I went to Atlanta Christian, um, trying to go into youth ministry and was getting a um, youth ministry degree there. So. Okay. Awesome. So when did you first get your, your start with Chick-fil-A? Yeah. So I was, uh, a junior in college, um, and had was unemployed at the time, had just left a church and, um, didn't really know what I was going to do and had applications, um, all out over the place trying to just find a job cause I was having to pay for college. And, uh, the only place that was hiring an out of work youth minister was Chick-fil-A. And it uh, wasn't really my plan. Didn't uh, I always kind of swore that I was never going to work at Chick-fil-A. That was kind of my deal. Everybody in Fayetteville worked at Chick-fil-A. And I was like, I am not working at that place. Um, but they hired me and uh, fast-tracked me to be a manager. Um, that was kind of his goal. He thought, hey, this guy's been in youth ministry. He'd be great to work with kids. Um, he could handle that. Um, I didn't want to do it, but um, eventually it just kind of worked out. And so, yeah, that's how I got my, got my start. So you started out just because you wanted a job. You're correct. Like, correct. Ah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and for most of the time that I was there, um, the first few years, it was just the job. It was like finish with college, pay for college, get out of here, get to back at work at um, a church and then just move on. Like Chick-fil-A was not it. Um, and even when I was managing, it wasn't because I really wanted to be in leadership. I really didn't want the headache, but it paid more. So it was like, you know, I can pay for college and not have to take out student loans and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of the plan. Um, God kind of had a different plan and I met a girl and, uh, she, um, she kind of rocked my world and, uh, she was the first one to kind of challenge me that, you know, maybe I should kind of really think about this Chick-fil-A thing. And, uh, you know, uh, through some conversations my senior year in college uh, with some mentors, um, I really just kind of got the idea that, you know, maybe this is how I'm supposed to impact people uh, through this. And uh, that was one of my mentors at the college told me, he said, the world doesn't need more pastors and things like that. It needs lawyers, business owners who have a ministry mindset. And so I just took that as God's open door and uh, started pursuing um, the opportunity with Chick-fil-A. So you said you met a girl now. Was she working at Chick-fil-A at the time? She was, <laughs> yeah. So uh, she was a waitress. We were at a dwarf house, and she was a waitress. She actually waited tables. And she had been hired there when she was 15 years old. 
Um, and uh, she went away to college. She went to Clemson and uh, would come home on holidays and during the summer and things like that. And so um, I knew who she was. Um, she was a loud mouth, she's very opinionated, <laughs> very, and just rubbed me the wrong way. I just did not like being around her. Um, and so she went away to college and she came home one uh, Christmas and I'd become a manager and I had a shirt on and like it was, you know, I'm a young college kid. It's the first time I've really ever worn a button up shirt. Like I'm not <laughs> ironing my shirts. I don't know how to do any of that. Um, and she walks in and she goes, I don't, I'll never forget it. She says, uh, who irons your shirts? And I'm like, what? Just, she blunt, goes, just blunt. Yeah, right. Yeah. She's just like, somebody needs to iron your shirts. And I was like, and I, I remember looking at her and go, when do you go back to school? Like, and so <laughs> she graduated from Clemson and uh, she was trying to get on at the uh, home office of Chick-fil-A. And they, our operator said, we want to make her a manager and trainer. And so he came to me. He was like, hey, I need you to train Mandy to be a manager. I'm like, anybody but her, please. I do not want to deal with her. Um, but I did. And, um, you know, I realized later on that she was pretty cool. Like I just kind of had to get through that tough exterior. So, so he put you in charge of taming the, taming the wild thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had that impossible task. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Trying to, uh, train her and get her under control. So. So you got encouraged. So you're managing now. You're managing your. I guess at the time you're not girlfriend boyfriend yet, but you're. Yeah, towards the end of. Yeah, uh, towards the end of it. Yeah, we were both managers. Um, once she had gotten trained, um, we were kind of both dating somebody and uh, broke off both of those things, and then realized, hey, you know, the whole team kind of knew what was going on before we did. And one one guy was finally just kind of like, hey, um, why are you not asking her out? And I'm like, I don't know. So, um, but we did. Um, and I realized very quickly that she was the one and, um, she made it very clear that to me, um, that she's like, I don't know that I'm going to be a good pastor's wife. Like my mouth is going <laughs> to get you in a lot of trouble. Um, but through a lot of those conversations, I realized that, Hey, you know, I really felt like she was the person she was my human she was she was the one that i wanted to go through life with and um you know i didn't i didn't realize just how important that decision would be um at the time um, but i made it very clear i knew i knew very very early on that it was going to happen and so uh, we started having those conversations and conversations about um, i think this chick-fil-a thing is what we're going to pursue because so. when you're dating her, you do need somebody to let the waiter know that the order's wrong. Right. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> she right. has that personality for you. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, she uh, um, she has stretched me for years on that. <laughs> so, um, but it's been great. So. All right. So fast forward, you guys are you know managers now, mm -hmm. and uh, you know somebody planted the seed in you. Yeah. Hey, you need to pursue this absolutely. as a career, not right. just a job. You need to pursue this as a career. Right. So, what did your path look like? Yeah. from there <laughs> gosh that's the journey that was uh that was one of the hardest seasons of our lives um what what would happen next um because you just kind of you you make this decision you have this idea what it's going to look like and you're like um and uh so 
I, I was like, all right, so I'm going to put in my application. I'm going to go start interviewing for it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen quick. You know, you know th two years we'll be operators and it'll be great. It's going to be great. Um, and so they, they told me about this interim manager thing where you travel around the country and you run restaurants that don't have operators and it helps prepare you for the thing. So I apply for that and uh, I go through that class and I'm getting ready for all of that. And um, I'm talking to somebody at the home office about it. I have my application in to become an operator because I know it usually takes a year or so at least of interviews. And they tell me, You're, you've only worked in a dwarf house. We'd like you to really go work in a freestanding restaurant. And so I'm like, where do I go? Like, how do I, how do, I do that? And so fortunately, the guy down the street from that dwarf house was actually about to get a new restaurant and he needed a GM of his new restaurant. And so we made the move, we made the switch, moved down the street to him and uh, I became um, his GM in waiting for a year. Uh, they kept putting that grand opening off and that's what I'm saying. It like took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take because um, I'm just kind of like at this restaurant, like waiting for this other restaurant to open up. Um, and then when Stars Mill opened up, um, I was the GM of that restaurant. Um, I did that for a year, got it off the ground. By this time, Mandy and I had been married. When we moved um, to, the, to the other Chick-fil-A, we got married a week later. So we moved, I came in, said hey to everybody, and then I got married and then came back. So, <laughs> um, but uh, we were at Stars Mill for a year. And then I actually became an interim manager and I was an interim manager for a year. So I traveled um, to Alabama, Virginia, and a couple different places in Georgia, running Chick-fil-A's that don't, that are corporately owned, that don't have operators either um, for one reason or another, maybe they're getting ready for a new operator. And so um, I did that uh, the first month that I was out, Mandy called me, she was actually staying at home um, during this time, because she had a full-time job. Um, interim managing didn't really pay a lot. And so she kept her full-time job so that we could have the insurance and those kind of things. And uh, she called me and asked me, she said, are you, are you sitting down? And I said, I'm driving. And she said, well, we're pregnant. <laughs> About <laughs> crashed the car. And so um, she loves to tell the story that I was gone for the entire first pregnancy because I was on the road. Yeah, because I've heard that. Yes, right. Yeah, you were not there. <laughs> no, I was not there for the first pregnancy. She loves to tell that story. Um, but yeah, so we spent a year um, out on the road um, doing that. And then we got our first opportunity in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, a freestander down there. Um, it's the lowest, lowest volume freestander in the chain. And so I actually took a pay cut to move to Florida. So just imagine that is like you have this dream of being your own business owner and everything. And I took a pay cut from a corporate job to be a business owner in Florida. And so, again, it was just like this is not the this is not what I envisioned doing this. Like I, I thought, you know, like being an operator was going to be this great thing and it was going to be awesome. And it was like, this is really hard. Well, because, you know, when you see these owner operators, they have this facade of they've got it oh, made. Yeah, right. You know, they oh, walk yeah. through the restaurant Absolutely. and they point here. Hey, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you see yeah. that facade. You're like, hey, that's the job yeah, I, want, that's what I want. Right. I can take vacations whenever I want. <laughs> yeah. I'll have a nice house and all this. And it's like, 
you know, I took a almost $15,000 pay cut to do it. And I'm like, so, and you moved to Florida and, and y'all are Florida. pregnant. Uh, we had just time. had Owen. So it was, we had a new baby at the time that we moved to Florida. So talk about some challenges right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely wasn't, uh, on schedule, so to speak. It's like, this is not what I signed up for. Now you were telling me one time the, what is the percentage of people that apply and yeah. actually get a store? Cause you have to go through, you know, a very long, extensive, absolutely. You know, yeah. So I went process. through basically that whole process from the time that I put my application in to the time I got selected was almost four years. Um, now, they've tried to streamline that a little bit, um, and I have zero idea what the numbers are today um, because they just it's so astronomical. But um, at the time, it was something like twenty one thousand applications a year, and they were selecting like seventy five. Wow. Yeah. So um, I love to tell people that, you know, I, I don't know if I bribed the right person or like <laughs> what I do. Like, you know, they they took my application and meant to pick somebody else or something. I don't know. But I don't know how I got into that. So you're in Florida. Yep. And um, how did it come about that you you finally got to get to LaGrange where you're at right now? Yeah. So um, we are able to see when restaurants are um, going to come available to have a new operator. And so the same process kind of goes into place. They do an actual selection. So you actually have to apply for it, interview for it. They don't just let you just say, hey, I'm going to move here. Um, and so at the time, uh, the new restaurant was being built in LaGrange and, um, that operator Rob was actually going to take that new restaurant. And so leave this restaurant and, um, we saw it come on the report and we just kind of looked at it and said, you know, is LaGrange where we want to be? I'm like, you know, I think we'd been to LaGrange maybe three times in our life, I think. Uh, Mandy and I had come here to meet our organist for our um, wedding. And so I remember coming to the square like in 2005 for our wedding to like hear him play stuff. So um, I think that was the last time I'd ever been to LaGrange. Um, but we talked about it and, uh, you know, we had we had the one child. We had another one on the way at the time. And we just kind of said, you know, maybe that that's a good a good place um getting closer to family most of our family is in the atlanta area and so with with kids and grandkids and grandparents and all that stuff it was just like i think not being 600 miles away might be a, a good thing and if there's the opportunity to make some money um it it should be a good move so yeah we got um we found out on uh christmas eve of 2010 that we were moving to LaGrange. Um, we took over on February 1st. So we, uh, we didn't really have a long runway to figure out how we were going to get everything moved and get here and kind of get our feet under us once we got here. So, so you get LaGrange, the rest is history now that you're here in LaGrange. Yeah. Something. Yeah. But it was a long journey and that journey went back to when you were in high school or yeah. probably coming out of middle school, you know, you had something go through life that, a lot of young men, yeah, absolutely. You know, you hope and pray they don't have to experience, right? But you know, you lost your father at a young age. Yeah. So when I was fourteen, uh, I think when I was eleven, my dad was first um, diagnosed with cancer and fought fought it for uh, two or three years. 
And when I was 14, he finally um, lost that battle to cancer. And that was a very formative time for me. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those situations. I, I was also going through a tough time um, as a kid. I mean, I was very athletic. I loved to play sports. I played baseball, football. Um, any opportunity I had, I was out doing whatever. And when I was 12 years old, um, found out that I had a uh, bone tumor in my right leg. And uh, they actually had to remove part of my uh, bone right there. And I tried to come back to baseball and football after that and had um, three to four stress fractures mm. trying to come back. And uh, I didn't find I found out last year that it was because my bone grew back um, weird, didn't grow back straight the way it was supposed to. So it's putting a lot of pressure on it. But um, so I had to give up sports. Um, and so I'm having trouble with that because that's kind of like that thing that really drives me that I got excited about. And then my hero suddenly is gone. Wow. And, um, you know, those years, those years are very formative. They're very hard. I mean, you're getting into high school, you're trying to figure out life, right? You're trying to figure out who you are, what you're going to do with your life, all those things. And the man that like helped me answer every question in my life was gone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, right about that time, my mom got sick and, uh, was having trouble working. And so I had to work and try to find ways to do things. And so I went to work. I was working um, pretty much a full-time job while I was going to high school um, and then found other ways to um, get money. And uh, unfortunately, some of those were illegal and landed me in jail. Oh, wow. So when I was 17, I was arrested and uh, I was a junior in high school. It was actually arrested while I was at school, um, possession of, um, of drugs. And so that was one of, and yet another one of those moments where it was like, you kind of just keep going back. And, um, we, we were at a place at that point where we didn't know how we were going to pay for the court fees. Cause my mom was tr having trouble, mm -hmm. um, having trouble working. And so we were trying to figure out how we we're going to pay for the work. Uh, for the court fees. And so we decided we were going to sell my car and take that money and pay for the court fees. So that was going to be, I was going to lose my ability to drive as a punishment for all this stuff. We were going to get some of that money back. And uh, while we were on the way, um, I was in a really bad car accident. We totaled, my car got totaled. Uh, it was my fault. I pulled out in front of somebody and got T-boned. Um, but uh, it was kind of crazy because um, the car behind me, um, the guy called 911 and said, you guys need to hurry. There's no way this kid's walking out of this. And I walked out of it. I had really bad scratches from all the glass um, and like a bruised spleen or something crazy like that. But that mm. was it. Mm. And uh, that was the moment um, where um, the youth pastor of the church that I was going into uh, really stopped and said, Think you need to figure out why god let you stay like there's a purpose mm, you cool. have a purpose for your life and you need to figure out what it is because if you didn't you'd be gone right now and that was the first time that i had ever heard that um that's the first time that i'd ever really believed that and started asking that question like why am i even here because i mean most of it was just like i'm just here to exist 
here to get through. You know, like, you, you know, you're trying to make paychecks, you're trying to do all this stuff and just like get through each day. But that was the first time that someone actually really kind of pointed me in that direction. And um, through that discovery, it was, you know, that's really kind of um, when I was pointed, um, Ephesians 2.10 is like my thing, it's my life first. And it's first time it, it says that we are God's workmanship. And uh, that word, because I went to Bible college and I studied Greek, I know what that word means. And it's the word poemia. Um, and it's the same word that we get our word poem from. And that was the first time that I realized that I was like the masterpiece of the creator and that I was made for purpose, on purpose, for purpose. And uh, that really kind of drove, has driven my life ever since. And it's really been my passion through that experience of um, trying to help others try to realize that they are made on purpose with a purpose. And so, you know, it just, um, it's, yeah. That's, that's so good because, you know, you, you're going through these years of, um, you know, different emotions, anger, disappointment, mm -hmm. like you're losing your father and like you're trying to find your way. Yeah. And, and it took something happening for you. And I say for you because nothing happens to you. I'm right, a firm right, believer, right. but things Absolutely. happen for you, right? And so that car wreck placed a mentor in your life to speak life over you. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. someone that, that you could look up to a mentor. So I'm assuming because of that, you found your purpose. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to yeah. be a youth pastor because yeah. there's troubled people out there that's just like me right. that I need to go reach. Yeah. And well, I thought I thought that was it. I thought I was it was my story. I thought it was my story that I was going to tell. And that was really why it's not really that I thought I, I just assumed, you know, I was this drug dealer. I was doing all this stuff. And then I'm now I'm clean. And now I'm th so like the obvious next step is become a pastor, like go tell people about this stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what people do. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what led me to it. And um, I'm not saying that it was wrong. And I think that that preparation prepared me for what I do now, because I have that mindset of ministry. I have that mindset of uh, being about people rather than just, you know, the money, the profits, those kind of things. Um, but uh, I realized a year or so into it, I was like, church ministry is not not me. I'm like, this is not what I've been called to. Um, it's not my purpose. Um, and, you know, I think it was just through that experience that I realized those kind of things. I wouldn't trade it for, a, for anything in the world. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, it, it gives me appreciation. I think... Um, most of my life now, now I just, I love to love on pastors. Like I have a lot of friends that are pastors and I'm just like, you know, I always go to them. I'm like, let me take you out to eat and like, let you vent because that's right. I've been in your shoes before. I know what you're going <laughs> through. Um, so, um, I, I have a real passion for those kind of things, but yeah, I, I was able to find my purpose. That's and, so good. Um, you know, just trying to figure out. And then when I finally made the connection that um, I could do something that aligned with my purpose, it was like, oh, okay. Managing a fast food restaurant's really not that bad because it's not managing a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Like I'm 
helping people find their purpose. You're on a mission field. Correct. Like yeah. your restaurant I, is a mission right. field. Like, and yeah, so, you serve chicken, but you're on yeah, a mission field. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's the thing. I think that's where people have to find it. And that's when anytime people come to me um, and they want to get into leadership with me or those kind of things, those are the questions that I ask them. I'm like, why? Why, why do you want to be in leadership? Because, uh, you know, being in leadership is hard. Yeah, ain't <laughs> no like, doubt about that. It's hard. And managing a restaurant is hard. It's hard work. And it just keeps getting harder. And so you got to have a really big why behind it because the 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 actually doing it the money all that stuff at some point that's not going to cut it <laughs> like you you need to be able to have a why well i know and you so, probably have quit several times over the years right oh gosh <laughs> yeah yeah i mean probably at least you know um i don't know the last few years it's been like once a day but yeah. <laughs> so, once an hour is right okay. it's yeah. like why do we even do this? Um, we call those waffle fry freezer moments where you just sit, you just go in the waffle fry freezer where nobody is. It's like negative 10 degrees. So nobody's back there and you're just like crying in the waffle fry freezer. Like, <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so, but your why outweighs any bad day that you have because absolutely you're focused on your why because yeah. you remember the person that you were. Yes. And you remember that, hey, there's well, somebody out there that could be like me that I need to reach. Right. And revisiting that why, um, you know, so it's having it written down somewhere. Um, and, you know, I talk about this with with some of the young leaders I get to work with, to get the privilege of working with. Um, and I tell them, I'm like, it doesn't always look the same. Mine's mine's an actual like word document that I have. And I look over it um, once a quarter and edit it every year. Um, but it has. It has my why, it has my purpose it written in there. Um, it also has my life plan. Um, and so someone challenged me one time to think about uh, what my eulogy, like if I was to step right out outside this building right here and get hit by a bus, uh, what would be said about me at my funeral? And um, they said, write that eulogy and said, now fast forward 60 years from now and you were able to live to your 100, what would you want your eulogy to be? And they said, the difference between the two is what you have to accomplish in the next 60 years. Wow. So you've got to figure out how to go accomplish that. Wow. And so I have kind of a basic life plan written for myself. Um, now it changes. I mean, you know. Of course. You, you, have a new, you, have a, you have a new kid, you know, you find these things. And so your, your plan changes. Um, and it's not something that's set in stone, but it gives me definition to what I should be doing right now. And so like when everything is happening around me, when there's all these decisions to be made, um, I have to have something that will help me filter those things. One of the greatest ways that I've been able to show this, and I showed this to a couple of young leaders one time, they love coffee. And if you know me, I love coffee. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a coffee aficionado. My wife laughs at me. And she laughs at me about a lot of stuff that I do. She thinks I'm crazy about a lot of things I do. Um, but she she laughs at the science experiment that happens in our kitchen every morning when I weigh out my coffee and grind it and have a kettle and do all this stuff. And she's just like, she's videotaped it so that she can show people. She's like, he is fanatical about this. And I'm like, you know, but for me, it's, it's the one thing I know I have control over in the morning. It's like, <laughs> I know what that cup of coffee is going to taste like 
every single morning because I know how to do it the way I like it. Um, but I had this, I had two young leaders and they wanted me to brew them a cup of coffee because they knew they, they really liked it when I brewed coffee. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll brew you a cup of coffee. Like, and yeah. So I, so I grind, I grind, this yeah, coffee, you're huh? right. So I grind up the coffee and I put it in a cup and I pour the water in the cup and I hand it to him. And he's like, I ain't drinking that because it had all the grounds and everything in it. And I'm like, but that like, what is coffee? It's coffee, beans and water. Right. And I'm like, so what's wrong? I brewed the I brewed the water to the right temperature. I ground the, the beans to the right grind. And you're like, but you got to get the, the grounds out of it. And I said, here's the point is that there are thousands of decisions that you can make a day. So what are you using as your filter? Mm -hmm. That is so good. <laughs> like, what are you using as your filter? It was like, you can have all the right components and be doing all the right things. I was boiling the water to the right temperature. I had the right coffee. It was fresh. It was ground the right way. I did everything, but there was no filter to get what I didn't need out. Yeah. and wasn't best for my cup of coffee. And so what are you using as your filter? And so that's for me, having that purpose, that life plan helps me know what that is. And so, and then the next step of that is just really kind of trying to dive in deeper and say, okay, if that's the case, what do I have to do each day to make sure that that's a reality? So I always give the case in point for me is, um, one of my life plans is, you know, I, we, I have a, um, artist that I, that we love Johnny swim, yeah. one of our favorite artists. We've seen them in concert multiple times, but they have a song called devastating and it talks about, um, a husband and wife and they want to love each other until it's devastating. So like when, when one of you dies, it needs to ruin your world. Like that's how great of a marriage that you had. And so like, that's always been a part of my life plan is like, I want the death of one of us to be so devastating. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that to be true, like our marriage has to last. And so in order for it to last, I can't do certain things, right? And so I've put rules in my life. Like I don't ride in cars with members of the opposite sex alone. Mm -hmm. And people are like, you know, we're just going to local grounds. Like what's the big deal? It's like, the big deal is like, I want to be married when I'm a hundred years old. And so for that to be true, I can't ever put myself in a position to mess up that marriage. And so, you know, it's that, that kind of stuff, that daily disciplines, those habits that are going to help me achieve that. And I have to make the correlation between what I do today and where I'm trying to go. And I think so many people miss that. They don't see, yeah. they see, hey, I want to make, I want to be a millionaire. I want to um, be able to do these things. And I even talk to young people and they're like, you know, I just want to, I want to be generous and be able to help people. And I'm like, okay, so what does that look like? You know, how much are you making right now? How much do you have in your savings account right now? And uh, they're like, nothing. And I'm like, you understand, you can't give what you don't have. That's right. And so if you want to be generous, you've got to manage your money well enough to be able to be generous. And so they just, uh, we just so often don't make the correlation of daily habits and disciplines to getting us where we are. We're like, you know, I don't know why I'm fat and overweight. And it's like, 
okay, well, let's sit down and talk about that. Let's <laughs> like, interrogate reality. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's a, exactly. I mean, let's, let's talk about that stuff and let's find those daily disciplines um, that are going to help you get to where you want to be. And so, you know, I've done that in just about every area of my life and it helps me, you know, in my finances, I don't go buy a house that I can't afford. I'm never going to be house broke. I mean, that's just one of my things. It's like, if I can't afford the house, um, you know, then I'm not going to buy it. I don't care how bad I want it. I don't care where it is. I don't care. It's like, I'm not going to drive a car that I can't afford. I mean, my cars are paid off. I mean, we don't take on loans on those things because I just don't see the point in it. I don't want to be debt ridden. Yeah. And so that's one of my purposes. That's one of my, my core values. And so I have to make daily decisions to get me to those things. But you said you cannot give if you don't have yourself. Correct. And one thing you're given is a lot of mentorship and leadership to these people. But that's something that you have to be fed as well. Absolutely. And that's something that Chick-fil-A really instills into you guys to be yeah. able to, you know, translate the vision, the leadership, the right. mentorship to the people that are at the store. So yeah. how important is, quote unquote, leadership and, um, you know, self-development in the Chick-fil-A arena? Working with them, how, yeah. how much do they put importance on that for you guys? Oh, it's absolutely like the biggest thing in the world, because, I mean, it's, you know, whether it's just teaching someone how to. Um, do things the Chick-fil-A way, or it's teaching them how to run a restaurant. Or, you know, if you have somebody that wants to be an operator, it's teaching them how to actually do that. And leadership's hard because it's it's that moment of coaching and mentoring. Um, you know, you walk through these things and you don't understand what's happening. And it's really hard. I mean, it's like when you step on a baseball field, and you're trying to throw a strike and you can't get it in there. And it's like, no matter how hard you try, and it's like, it takes that coach to say, let me tell you why it's not happening where you want it. But then you and have the fans saying, just throw strikes. Absolutely. Just throw strikes. Yeah. That's no, easy. just th- it's, it's easy. <laughs> like what you're doing is easy. And it's like, yeah, it's not. If it were, if it were, everybody would do That's it. That's right. And so um, leadership is exactly that. It's like, okay. Um, let me walk you through how to actually get the result you're looking for. Um, and let me let you fail. Like you're going to have to fail. And that's really what leadership is. It's like trying to be able to hold somebody in those lines yeah. and say like, I'm going to let you, let you go between these areas and figure out how to like, figure out how to get you there. And there's going to be bumps and scrapes and, I mean, just like parenting your kids trying to ride a bike. I mean, you know, you're not going to get through it out without a couple busted knees. Like that's it's, right. you've got to let them fall down. And so, but that's what leader, that's what great leaders are able to do is they're able to coach. They're not able to, they don't try to solve every problem um, because the world doesn't need more people just telling them what to do. That's right. Um, you know, and the great thing is like when we develop leaders in the business, you know, I find out that there's people that work with, for me that are a lot smarter at this stuff than I am. <laughs> and when I teach them kind of how to stay in the lines and like how to make those decisions and, and unlock that in them, it's amazing the stuff that like they start coming up with. And you're like, man, I never would have thought of that. Like, cause I'm, you know, I get stuck in my own little rut. I'm like, yeah. this is what we do. 
And so I get challenged by those things and we've been able to grow. And, um, well, I hope everybody is seeing the side of Josh that I have gotten to see and grown to appreciate because, you know, our relationship started, um, I was going to CrossFit. Yeah. You were there at 5 a.m. class, you yep. know, and, you know, we kind of got to know each other a little bit. And I, I got I got this date wrote down because this is a funny story. <laughs> this is a great story. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. 6-15 of 2015. Okay. I have a son, Jackson. Yeah. Yep. He's eight years old. Yep. We're at Chick-fil-A and he sees something that says hiring. Yep. And uh, he goes, can I get a job? Well, I guess the lady working the counter is like, oh, he's cute. The little yeah. eight-year-old wants a job. Yeah. She, she gives him a flyer, yep. a way to log in. I have to walk him through the process. And one of your managers that I knew at the time says, hey, bring him in for an interview. I'm going to yeah. bring him in for an interview. Yeah. So he goes to this interview process and gives him a shirt. And I said, look, I realize you can't hire him. Right. Let him come at lunch, clean up trays. I'll give him you the money. You yeah. can give him the money. So he can think he's working at Chick-fil-A, yeah. right? Right. And uh, But you were on one of your annual trips because you're, yeah. you do a lot of mission work yeah. with the church and everything. And uh, they hired Jackson. And a few hours later, I get a phone call that says, Jackson can't work there. Yeah. And so my eight-year-old son is devastated. Right. When I say devastated, right. he is like, I'm the only guy to get hired and fired in Chick-fil-A within <laughs> three hours. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I did not know the backstory until... Yeah. You know, at the time, you know, I didn't like you. Right. I'm like, Absolutely. this sorry sucker. Yeah. I can see like why. devastated this eight year old son. Right. You know, but I'm going to CrossFit. Yeah. And I'll never forget you and I started, uh, you know, we kind of gravitated each other in the yeah. class, talking and everything. In April of 2018, I shot you a Facebook message and I says, Hey, man, you crushed that workout. Do you want to go to lunch? And you're like, Sure. So I show up at lunch and I'll never forget. We go to countries up here. Yep. And you're already sitting there and I sit down and I open up with, I just want to let you know, I really don't like you. <laughs> I remember it I said, very clearly. I don't like you. I said, but right. yeah. this is why. And yeah. you never knew why. Right. Because I never yeah, alluded no, to it. No. And uh, you know, we had a tough conversation, but I said, I don't like you. I said, but man, I, I wanna like you because like yeah. I'm enjoying hanging out with you and listening Absolutely. and enjoying the fellowship. So that was a tough conversation. Yeah. Even for me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Right. And so, but ever since then, you and I have been close and yeah. you've convinced me to do some stupid things. Yeah, um, I have. You know, uh, you got into a ruck where you yeah. put a, a backpack on with weight and you take off for several miles. Mm -hmm. You convinced me to do one of those. Yeah. And uh, I was like, sure. You know, sounds, sounds like great. a horrible sounds idea. Sounds like a great one. Yeah. When do we, when, when well, do we sit up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My bag, my bag, it says, that's a horrible idea. What time? <laughs> yeah, that is so true because yeah. we went and did a ruck event. And yeah. when I call a ruck, I don't know how many hours it's supposed to be, but I'm like, this won't be bad. I'm in shape. Yeah. I've got my backpack. Well, we show up and it was a like monsoon. Yes. And the wind is blowing sideways. It's it four, is so cold. 41 degrees. <laughs> we're outside of Atlanta and we're traipsing through water. Yep. And um, and every time we would take a step, I look at you, I'm like, I wish I wouldn't have had lunch with you. I'm yeah, sure right, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely questioning life decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was because, you know, I was willing to have that tough conversation, but no, you right. were open to it. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely. And uh, I appreciate, you know, you having that lunch and yeah. taking the 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 lashing because you gave me the reason why you couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. Know? No, yeah. There was there was a there was a real good reason. And uh, it was just kind of the timing 
because I mean, had there was some other events that had happened just recently, yeah, right around the exact same time, and it was like, oh, we cannot be doing this right now, um, and involved government government agencies and stuff. I was like, no, sir, <laughs> like can't do this. Um, but I think it was a great learning, um, and it's something that I try to teach young leaders and young people all the time. It's like if you have a problem with somebody, that's right, go talk to them. Yeah, because you'd be amazed. Because like when you hear their side of the story. Why you do something is not the same reason they do something. That's right. And so often we assume that people do things for the same reason we would do them. And so we we translate their actions with that filter. And so um, I've tried to make it a practice that if I really have a problem with somebody, so much so that it's really affecting me, let me go have a conversation. And That's right. Like, get that out. Yeah. So. Well, even if they're not as receptive as you were, Right. At least you have a little piece in your Absolutely. mind. Absolutely. Hey, well, at least you know. At least you know they're a jerk. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They prove all your suspicions. Sometimes it is, and like, well, I can sleep better at night knowing that I was right about that. But you know, a lot of times you find out that, like, I see it so often in our restaurant with our team is like people were will get so mad at someone and like they're ostracizing them, and it's like you get them to sit down and like then they have this like ugly cry moment with each other and they like next thing you know they're like the best of friends because yeah. they just talked and it's like wow such a novel idea right <laughs> well you you i will say this you're not such a bad guy because you said when he's 14 tell him to apply absolutely he turned 14 on yeah. a saturday and applied you, immediately <laughs> you, you texted me on sunday morning because i guess the uh, application <laughs> yeah. came through you said yeah. is he really 14 this time yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you said i owe him an interview anyways and yeah uh, he's been working there and uh um, yeah you know I'm thankful because he has that leadership and mentorship that it's not dad instilling. Right, absolutely. You know, it's it's the yeah. managers and everything. So, um, but talking about some dumb ideas, you know, we did a uh, CrossFit competition. <laughs> yeah, what was we it did last that. year? Yeah. I said I pulled the so card. So I guess that was that was me. that was payback. It was. Because I owe, you, you owed you, me. Uh, you convinced me to do that, even though I didn't want to. I'll never forget. It was a uh, it was a partner competition, and I yeah. said, "Why don't we?" You know, yeah. sign up for this. Obviously, we signed up in the lower level yeah. of competition, and yeah. the first event we we placed dead last. Yes, we did. And I looked at you and said, "I didn't even want to be here." That's exactly like. what you said. I told you I did not want to do this. <laughs> right. Why did you make me do this? Right. And then the second yeah. event, I think we got second. We finished second in the second event. We won the third event. Only only team to finish that. Only one. team to finish that event, and uh, that's when you kind of looked at me and said, "We could win this thing," and I'm like. I don't even want to be here. <laughs> like, so yeah. But we we learned a lot through that process. Oh, yeah, of, absolutely. Um, you know, you know, there's so much that you know, just having an outlet to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, you were talking about leadership and your managers, and you know, instilling in them, mm -hmm. you have a big challenge in front of you because you have people that come in that you're supposed to groom yep. to to run the restaurant for you to make your life easy. Yeah, but they're looking for the next step. A lot yeah. of them are looking and you just had um, two people that were like, you're solid rocks. Yeah. You just left, made them in the leave last, the, niece, in the last the two years. I've had four launch from me Four that you've launched. Yeah. So two, uh, three of them have been into Chick-fil-A's leadership development program. So they're trying to be, become operators. They're actually traveling across the country right now. Yeah. Uh, two of them just left two weeks ago. Uh, one of them left last year. Um, and then earlier this summer, we uh, launched um, a longtime top level leader of ours. Um, she actually started her own business. And so but we're really excited to see where she came from because 
she had no idea what she was going to do with her life when she came to work with us eight years ago. And uh, so to say that I'm like ridiculously proud of her. Yeah. Like there really isn't, it isn't like on a scale, well, these guys are going to be operators. Like, no, like that's the thing is like the purpose is not to produce operators. That's right. The purpose is to help people find their purpose. And so she's pursuing that. Um, that's exciting. But yeah, four in the last two years, four of not even just like shift leaders. These are people that are like running my business have left me in the last year, the two years. And so, yeah, it's not easy. It's you, you kind of look at it and you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it goes back to your roots and uh, ministry is because you grow people up in the church yes, to send them off absolutely. to be better young men, better absolutely. Uh, women in society. Right. You know, and I had a pastor friend of mine tell me that success is finding God's will and living it. Absolutely. You know, yeah, and I right. think you're helping people find their way, whether yeah. they become an operator, maybe they stay a manager with you, right. or they go start their own business. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? So you're absolutely. preparing them for the next level. So um, now you do got a new location coming up, right? <laughs> I, I know you and I have talked about this a while and it's yeah, been real yeah. hush hush, it's but um, hush, hush, all of a sudden you got slapped with a Facebook post. Yeah, and last like, week it went, I guess it went Facebook official. And so everybody was like, yeah, so this is happening. I'm like, oh yeah, it's been happening. Yeah, yeah. We just haven't really, but yeah, yeah. So that's the plan. Well, I know you're excited because the kitchen that you have was only supposed to serve a certain amount of volume. Oh yeah, we're, we're you've three, superseded that. three times that three volume, times now that volume. Wow. Yeah. So wow. So, yeah, I look, so we I look have we have one it. of the smallest kitchens in any of the Chick Fil A's and that still exist. Because so. if I remember right, where you're at now in commerce, that was one of the first freestanding stores, first model, yeah, so to speak. So no, it, 2005. So it's 27 years old. Okay. Um, they started freestanders in the mid 80s, so it's only 10 years. But um, our restaurant, that model of it, is widely considered one of Chick Fil A's biggest design flaws. <laughs> like they didn't do it very long. They realized it wasn't really a good design, and uh, we get to live that every day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, we we are aware that it's a very bad design. So, but you work through it. Yeah, you, absolutely. You, you find you find the ways, um, and we've been very blessed. You know, when we moved to Lagrange, we honestly didn't think Lagrange would be where we would be long term. We thought, you know, it's a town. 26, 27,000 people, there's two Chick-fil-A's like they won't even be able to support two Chick-fil-A's like that's that's not realistic. Um, so we thought, you know, three to five years is kind of the plan. We're going to get here, do this. And uh, the first couple of years were hard. I mean, because the new store had opened, it was already kind of a low volume restaurant. And then you split it, split some of that business with the new restaurant. And you're kind of like, so this is what I moved here for? Like. Mm, this is great. Um, but, uh, it's, it's exploded, you know, the, yeah. the 12 years that I've been here. I mean, um, over three times the business is in those 12 years and it just, um, yeah, it's been one of those things where we talk, I talk about it all the time to my leaders about just, you know, we can't control the size of our kitchen. We can't control the terrible design of our parking lot and, all those things, what we can control is what we can control. And so we just work on that stuff. And are we great at it? No, like, but are we striving to be better every single day? Absolutely. And um, so that's, that's what we do is just strive to be better. And so, um, but yeah, so for the past five or so years, we have been fighting our facilities. Um, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I call it the, the kitchen, the clown car. 
because uh, we're just jamming people back there. We don't have enough cooking equipment. We don't have enough refrigeration. We don't have enough. We, we literally don't have enough anything back there. Um, so um, we're hoping, hoping and praying that, uh, you know, summer of next year, um, we'll be able to move into our new location um, with all the bells and whistles, one of the largest locations that they build. Yeah. Um, so great then new you, parking lot. Then you got to figure out your new process. Then right. You and that's, that's the, right? you know, I was talking to somebody who did went through this process recently and they were like, just get ready. Like the first two months are real hard. Like your, your team members are going to have a real hard time because you know, they, they, they've been doing it one way for so long and like this new place, they're going to have room. Nothing's in arm's length anymore. And it's like these new processes. And it's like, again, I think there's that great learning is like, you always think like, if I get this new car, it's going to be easier. It's right. going to be great. You know, the new house, but there's new problems. Mm -hmm. with it there's new issues there's new things that you have to learn new habits you have to form um but you can't control that stuff all you can control is your response yeah and then just having that pursuit of being better well there's new opportunities as well absolutely that come along with it too so. yeah yeah so we're excited but. well i'm excited because it's gonna be closer to my house yeah so <laughs> yeah i know my kids will be excited so yeah. Yeah. You know, I could sit here and talk all afternoon. I all right. appreciate you taking the time Absolutely. today, man. It's uh, it real helpful. I hope people, you know, learn that, you know, you had so much that you talked about controlling what you can control, daily mm -hmm. disciplines and everything. And if you want to hang out with Josh, go see him at 5 a.m. at Absolutely. CrossFit. Absolutely. He will be there religiously. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. miss. So I might miss. I take sabbaticals. And you, yeah, we always know. We that. always know the JV sabbaticals, but we always know you're coming back. I'm always going to come back. That's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so. Well, you guys, thank you for coming in today and uh, check us out. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.